0: Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, in my world, uh, masses have started to turn on. We've had an opportunity to go to two weeks now of Sunday masses under Governor Wolf's rules, basically. Um, Obviously, they're the guidelines that the churches have to follow so that they can stay open and not get re-shut down again. And whether or not the rules are smart or adequate, it's kind of irrelevant to today's conversation. What what I wanted to discuss was the way that and this was at two separate parishes, the way that it was addressed, both of them had to remove all of the paper materials. Mostly the 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 miselects and the other songbooks. And you know obviously it's very hard to spray paper with Lysol and hope that that book's going to still work out and that's pretty common sense about why they'd have to do that but where it kind of left me and kind of left what I feel the rest of the congregation as a whole was not being a true participant in, in the mass kind of more like yes i was there and yes i was able to receive the eucharist for the first time in months but it didn't feel like i was able to fully you know be immersed almost as if it was a mass in a different language which i've done many different times in my life and it just felt like something was off and missing you know people not being able to to you know sing be engaged in the sign of peace obviously they changed communion from being what it normally is in the mass to being after the mass is over. So it it was a lot of changes and it just felt obviously was different. So it felt weird, but it just felt like we weren't able to fully participate. And I have a, a feeling that I'm not the only one who feels that way. So I wanted to open up this space to have a conversation about that as I think it's something real. And it scares me that if people get this feeling of it not working for them internally or be able to get over this hump that it might be a deterrent from returning later down the road and that obviously is counterproductive to what we're trying to accomplish here so father i'm hoping you have some thoughts about this and maybe some ways that we as parishioners can wrap our heads around this and become more participatory
1: yeah it's certainly a very strange time and uh Part of the challenge is the levels of, uh, of inconsistency and, uh, you know, almost a kind of incoherence, uh, even from one parish to another, from one diocese to another. And, uh, even within the same parish, you know, you can't touch the missiles, but you can touch the other things. And, um, you know, even the use of masks and sprays and, uh, anyway, it just seems very confusing that, the set of principles which any given person is following is is uh, very confusing, can be very frustrating. I think um, so. Within that context, how do you receive uh, grace? You know, well, another thing that occurs to me is uh, a couple of months ago. I can't remember if I actually said it on the podcast. I certainly said it to a number of people. I felt like within the restrictions, there were a lot of ways that we could have found to give communion, to hear confessions, to celebrate the mass, which would have respected the need for quarantine, separation, preventing contagion, etc. And we didn't do any of that or very little of that at that time. Uh, now that we're opening things up, we are doing some of those things. and uh, And then it seems to have the problems, as you just mentioned, you know, these are we're asking people not to sing. We're asking people to leave right after communion. We're asking people to do things that we wouldn't normally ask them to do, or in fact, completely contrary to what we would ask them to do in a normal time. And so uh, now that seems very inadequate. And uh, anyway, so it's, it's, uh, it's all a little, a little fuzzy. And I think, the, I think the main thing is, is it, is it possible to worship God? In this, and is there a purpose to worshiping God? Is there a purpose to uh, receiving the Holy Communion? Is there a purpose to doing these things together? Is there a purpose to doing them in church? Is there a meaning to the Mass? And uh, is does that persist through all of these adjustments? And um, you know, is it is it worth it? What what does all of that mean? And I guess that's kind of the we have to get back to this. Uh, more fundamental questions to recognize, well, uh, yes, there is a purpose to all of those things. And uh, if we have to make some sacrifices in order to come together in mass, if we have to make some sacrifices in order to worship God, if we have to endure some inconsistencies and, you know, even seeming irrationality or somebody's rules that don't seem to entirely make sense or um, you know, is it is it worth it to suffer those things and endure those things for the sake of worshiping God, for the sake of receiving Holy Communion? Um, I think that's the kind of more more fundamental question we can come back to.
0: And uh,
1: does, that, does that sound
0: right to you? It, the The core concept makes sense, yes. Um, and I think it's one of these things that's probably easier said than done, um, because if you if we all remember. <laughs> what what a mass is and what a mass should be and and to have it being so different it just feels almost as if you have sunburn and then someone hits you on the back you know getting hit on the back is not good in the first place but then we have sunburn on top of it, it just adds a little bit to it and you know just taking in a side view You know, you can basically walk into a Walmart now and you can treat it exactly the same as you did before. You don't need to wear a mask. I mean, you can if you want, but you don't need to. You can go through and buy all your stuff. Uh, Barring the shortages, it's basically the same store. And life has returned in totality there. So not to try to scream this is unfair (laughs) because somewhere along the way, I believe fairness is like the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. It's just a lie you tell children to calm them down. But at the end of the day, it's there's no sort being fair and being right. The whole rules behind it seem very arbitrary and very inconsistent, and I think that that is creating a, a, a tension in the loss, being the sunburn in, in the reference I was making there. So it, it's, it certainly is important to be involved with the Eucharist. I, I, I don't know how many different episodes we've mentioned that in one format or another, and obviously it's nothing I'd like to diminish in that it's kind of recognition of how important the Eucharist is and to be almost as a spectator rather than an active participant and then being given the Eucharist at the end just it feels wrong like wrong might may not be in the sense of like you did something evil wrong but just like not correct way of saying wrong. And that is almost creating a, an emptiness or a sadness um, in me. And that's part of, you know, like I said, where I'm hoping that we can get some answers here. And, and I know that inevitably some sanity will return to the world and we'll be able to go back to, to how it was. And it's kind of a question of when, not if, but seeing how logic has gone these last couple of months when can be a long time um and this is probably something that we're going to have to deal with at least in the Pennsylvania for a prolonged period of time i know that if you're in a happier state that you might be back to normal you know if you're in Oklahoma or something like that but i'm not <laughs> and i know that there's a lot of our audience that isn't and let alone our international audience and how how they're dealing with this. So, um, kind of want to deal with that personal feeling of like just feeling like I didn't I'm watching it rather than being a part of it if that makes sense, you know, participating in the mass.
1: Well, participation uh, you're you're participating more physically than you were when you were literally watching it. On a screen uh, or on television, and and even when we were doing that, you know, the 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 purpose of making a holy uh, a spiritual communion, the purpose of watching it and trying to pray along with everything, uh, had a value to it. You know, there's uh, at some sense the at some level the mass is being offered, and whether we're ten feet from that offering or five thousand feet from that offering, uh, the mass is being offered. And at the same time, our personal participation uh, is is not so much about physical proximity. It's it's about our internal participation, what what we're offering in our own lives, and really bringing our own lives before the Lord and making that offering to Him. I think it's uh, you know that's that's fundamentally what's uh, what's happening in our worship is we're saying that God is worthy worth-ship is where that comes from. God is worthy of everything in my life. God is worthy of everything I can offer Him. And so, I I offer that to Him. Now, how do I do that concretely? Well, I make the intention inside of myself, but I need some concrete actions to go through to make an offering to Him. Uh, Well, He helped us to do that by taking on flesh, becoming one of us, and making that offering in our midst. And in a mysterious, in a mystical way, he takes all of our offerings onto his one offering. And he makes that offering on the cross when Jesus offers his total self-sacrifice. And he offers everything to the Father. And he says to the Father, you are worthy of everything, of all that I am and all that I have. And when Jesus does that, he does that with all of us and for all of us. But We have to do it also for ourselves. And so we make that total offering of showing his worthiness by by giving everything. So we can do that from our living room. You know, we can do that from a park. We can do that from a lot of places. uh, But we do that in a more perfect way, in a more perfected way, when we do that in Christ and with Christ. And in particular, with his whole church in the rights that he has given us to do that. So he's made it possible through the Eucharist given to us at the Last Supper, given to the apostles, to to make this offering. It's like a it's like a highway, you know. It's I suppose you can you can get from point A to point B by walking through the 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 forest, through the jungle, and you'll get there eventually. But if you align your movement, your direction with the highway. Then you move a lot more effectively, a lot more fully and and the Eucharist is you know it's more than a highway, but anyway, just to extend the analogy, you know it's a it's a way of offering that of uniting ourselves with him, uniting our offering with him that it arrives at its destination more perfectly, more fully, more quickly, more more beautifully. and so um, so we're doing all of that. Now that actually, has nothing to do with the reception of Holy Communion, and the precept of the church is to participate in the Mass, not to receive Holy Communion. Uh, We're required to receive Holy Communion once a year, uh, but we're required every week to participate in the Mass, and that participation, so learning how to participate in the Mass without even receiving Holy Communion is a good thing for each of us to keep growing in and uh, finding ways to do that. And then uh, Holy Communion is not just a bonus. Uh, it's much more than a bonus. You know, it's uh, certainly receiving from the fruitfulness of the Mass is a is a beautiful and integral and an important part of the Mass. But it's, uh, you know, the Mass has meaning and value even without the reception of Holy Communion.
0: Sure. And, and yeah, I'm certainly not trying to diminish that uh, at all. And, and I don't want this to come across that way. And... I mean, obviously, there's a reason that the mass is is is, is uh, pivotal. Um, that actually just made me think of a, of another question, which it, you're at the mass. Um, I, I I just I don't understand why you would, if you're already at a mass, why you wouldn't receive communion. Are there rules in the church around around that, or because? you know, I know that, you know, you have an obligation to go to mass every week. That's part of the faith, but then you just said you only need to receive communion once a year. So that didn't add up to me. Could you clarify that real quick? Yeah. Well, um, are you worthy
1: at every mass? Are you adequately prepared? Have you participated sufficiently? Are you in a state of grace to receive Holy Communion? And, and, and the church has had a a little bit of a development in approach over the centuries. And it's gone a bit in waves from what I understand. It's not a linear development, but uh, recognizing that communion is God. And, you know, there are plenty of examples in the Old Testament where people touch the tabernacle and die, for example. I mean, touching God, receiving God, having contact with God uh, You know, the whole people of Israel, as they saw the cloud and the fire and the lightning and the thunder on the mountain, said to Moses, "Um, like, we don't really feel like we need to go up and, and be part of all this. Why don't you just go ahead and do it? And then you come back down and you tell us, like, what's going on with that? I mean, there is a sense of of an awesome fear before the almighty God, which makes one say maybe I don't need to receive communion every week. Um, I'm going to come here to the base of the mountain and let all of that happen. And the, you know, the priest is doing all of that in the sanctuary and that's all good. And I'm going to offer my participation from a distance and receive from a distance. And um, so there's something that's, uh, that's legitimate about that. And just presuming that everybody is kind of in a place that they're they recognize what they're doing and are ready to do that, well, uh, there's some room there. Now, there's another uh, side of that which has kind of captured the, the more modern heart and mind, which is uh, that communion is really a medicine for sinners, that it's not the prize of the perfect, that it's not something that you need to be in your absolute best frame of mind or frame of soul or whatever to receive but in fact receiving that the eucharist is going to help you become more fully who you were made to be and so we kind of recognize well no i'm not worthy to receive god and i'm not really ready to receive god but i'm going to trust in his mercy and receive him anyway and let that the power of that grace transform me from within to become more worthy and to become more ready and And that's kind of the approach that St. Pius X took in the beginning of the 20th century when he lowered the age of First Holy Communion and he really promoted frequent reception of Holy Communion. And uh, that didn't fully take hold until really after the Second Vatican Council uh, when the process of frequent communion became uh, so prominent that everybody, every time you go to Mass, just like you uh, expressed, Joe, uh, that everybody had a sense like yeah I need I need Jesus and uh, I'm here now the the caveat with that is of course that if you're not in a state of grace having committed a mortal sin if there's a rupture in your relationship with god that's significant enough then receiving communion would make it worse and so we refrain from holy communion in those and, and until we can go to the sacrament of confession and, and be reconciled with God. And then the kind of blending together of those things is that uh, and you'll still find this in a tr- more traditional parish, people will go to commun- go to only go to communion when they can go to confession immediately before. So basically before mass or even at the be- during the beginning of mass and this would be more common in the uh, older rite of mass, the extraordinary form of the mass, that people will go to communion or go to confession during the Liturgy of the Word, and and even during the Liturgy of the Eucharist. So they're praying, they're participating in their own way, they're not trying to follow along all of the texts, which are in Latin anyway, Um, but they're really praying the Mass while standing in line to go to confession, and then they confess their sins, they receive absolution, and then they're ready to receive Holy Communion. And they're not doing that every week necessarily. Uh, And they're only receiving communion after they go to confession to be sort of at their best. Anyway, these are, these are different approaches to the question. And I'm, I'm not sort of weighing in on what's better or worse. Each of them has problems and each of them has benefits. And so, uh,
0: but that's the, that's kind
1: of the context of that whole
0: question. And that leads to another thought and another question. And I don't want to get too far away from the original topic of today's episode, but As you mentioned in there, part of the the Pope's job is to look to see where we're at as a a people in in this place and time and to guide us to become closer to God. I mean, that's inevitably the Pope's job, um, or at least part of it. And it it made me think of this because we've spoken many times before that the miracle of the resurrection is Uh, is a moment that happens outside of space-time. That's something that we all actively participate at each mass, essentially. And we recognize that we are different than people who are at the Revolutionary War period or any other time before then. Like, people are different, and the most easy way to recognize that is transportation or technology. It's probably more specific on that in that You know, you used to take months to get across from the East Coast to the West Coast. Now you can take a couple of hours on a plane and that the world has changed. But human nature in a certain sense is more or less the same. You know, we still have the similar thoughts and feelings and, and all these things for all time. And where I'm trying to get with that is Right is right, and wrong is wrong, and sin is sin, and grace is grace. You know, that doesn't change. So, in a sense, Christ is a moment outside of time at, at, the, at the resurrection. And, in theory, the judgment is, too. Um, I might be a little bit off on that, but if it's at the end of the time, at the end of days for everyone, it's the same end of day as the last day, regardless of when you had your time on earth. So this is kind of a long lead up, but are we judged based upon an absolute of what we should be as a human person or relative to the times in which we are in? And like I said, I know that's a little bit different than the conversation we're having about the mass, but in a sense, our mass is different because of the times that we're in. So does that, does that make sense? The question I'm trying to ask yeah, well, first
1: of all, there there are two judgments. There's a particular judgment for each of us individually, and then there's a, a, a final judgment, a kind of universal judgment. So um, that's part of your part of your question. But yeah, our, our particular judgment is is based on um, uh, it, 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 it's always relative to our level of knowledge and our level of freedom. So we're, we're not held responsible for things we don't know. Now, if we're negligent, if there's if the reason we don't know them is because we refuse to learn them, that's a different story. But, but the things that we know, uh, which we pick up a lot of that from culture. You know, we pick that up from people around us, and in addition to our active efforts to read and study and um, listen to podcasts and uh, these kinds of things. So, uh, there's a level of knowledge, and then there's also a level of freedom. Um, I'm always this is a little bit, maybe you can indulge a, a quick story that I, I always find uh, interestingly edifying. You know, the they did, uh, there's totally secular. He's, he's actually kind of anti-Catholic, but he's an anthropologist. Um, I think, I'm, probably, I'm sure I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but it's worth repeating. Uh, he did research with some chimpanzees and he had a male chimpanzee and six females. And then They put, uh, he naturally copulated with three of the females who are sort of his, whatever, his match probably. I mean, there's something biological going on there. Um, And then they put those three on birth control pills, which have the effect at a pheromone level, you know, the body, it's really, it's really telling the body that the, uh, the female is pregnant. So that's the effect of it. And then he picked up on that and he didn't copulate with them. He copulated with the other three and then when they put all six of them on birth control pills he went into a depression he began to to masturbate he started to get very upset and was deeply affected by that and so in a time when so much of our female population is taking birth control pills what kind of impact is that having on the men in society and we're totally unaware of you know the the because this is all happening at the level of pheromones, which 80% of us pick up on, there are about 20% of people that are not really tuned into pheromones. They're they're also scent-based, you know, so it's a, a place in our olfactory nerve that picks up on pheromones. But the point is, you know, there are these unintended consequences, there are these broad effects in society that we don't even know how much that's affecting our freedom. So it might be a thousand times harder to live chastity in our own time because of this reason, but we don't really have a way of knowing that or measuring that. And, and so, is God judging us based on the context in which we're living? Well, yes, absolutely, because He's judging us relative to our level of knowledge and our level of freedom. Um, to say it another way, you know, when people a thousand years ago we not praying for the native americans because they didn't know they existed they weren't guilty for that how could they be culpable for not doing something that they had no access to actually knowing about or doing but we in our global society are have have every reason to be aware of the kinds of injustices that are happening and to the kinds of uh, needs of prayer and the proclamation of the gospel and you know, we have much more global outreach and global capacity for knowledge. So for us to be ignorant of those things and then to do nothing about them um, is going to be a different level of culpability than for somebody a thousand years ago. So, yeah, certainly the the opportunities, the challenges uh, that we have in our time
0: matter. And, and that makes sense. And there's a there's a lot of logic in that and so on that note if unless i'm putting something in your mouth that's that's not there having a sense that the mass is different and recognizing that doesn't make you go into a state of of sin or 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 negative effect it's just you being a person living in the times you are and having a reaction to something that you can't control um in the fact that we don't have the freedom of doing that um i mean realistically unless you're in the government and pretty much as the governor, you don't have control over this at that point. So with that being said, father, if you have any last final thoughts before we conclude today's episode, where we're starting to go a little bit long on it, I just want to give you a chance to, uh, to conclude it here.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you made a great summary there. I mean, w- we have to live this time as best we can. And there are a lot of challenges and, you know, you mentioned the sunburn getting slapped on the back with a sunburn and, uh, it's uh, it really does feel that way. There's a lot of frustrations, a lot of incoherence, a lot of irrationality, a lot of fears, a lot of a lot of weird things are happening. But it's outside of our control. So we can either do our best within these constructs, uh, or we can be frustrated and separate ourselves from them. But it's not clear that that's more fruitful. So so do your best within the kind of weird constructions that we're in. And insofar as we have influence, or insofar as we can. Uh, move things forward. Great. And, and otherwise we just try to worship God as best we can within the the limitations of the current day.
0: Well, I thank you for those final words and yeah. And to anyone who's out there who knows someone who's feeling these types of ways, uh, if you could just click the button inside your iTunes to send, to send it to them, we'd like to try to help people as many people as we can. And that's one of the ways also we can grow the thing, but just send it over to them, and it'll just arrive to them as a text message in a very non-threatening kind of way. So again, we thank everyone for listening, and we'll be with you again here next week.